DSM. DSM, man. How are you guys doing? Y'all doing all right? Now, we already, spring break has already started for a lot of us, man, but next week we're going to be officially out. I'm headed back to Texas. I'm going to spend about a week there with my family, and we're just going to hang out and enjoy nice warm weather. I heard you're going to get like, we're going to get like snow on Friday. Like, that's so messed up. Yeah, yeah, so enjoy that. Um, but I'm so glad to be here with you guys. And so I just want to do a couple things. Number one, I heard we have a lot of VIP. These are brand new first-time DSM visitors. So... Please, DSM, can you put your hands together and welcome our VIPs to the room right now? Yes. The next thing is we have a podcast, and so be sure to subscribe on iTunes, and you can relive the magic week by week. But can we please welcome everybody listening to DSM on their podcast right now? Welcome them right now. That's good. That's good. Um, can you turn me up just a smidge, just a smidge, because... Uh, Thank you so much. Okay, that's better, because I'm, I'm losing my voice. So, guys, can I tell you something? Say what, Dave? So, uh, second song in, I'm worshiping. Worship's amazing. And the Holy Spirit says, Dave, scrap the sermon that you're going to preach tonight. I want you to preach something else. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. But because I'm a professional, and I want to obey the Lord, and I'm not up here to say what I want to say, I got a brand new sermon for you tonight. It's still tied into Between Binary, but we've been in this series called Between Binary, and what I've been trying to do is just encourage you guys, because you all been through a couple of hard months, man, and I just want to encourage you guys, and tonight is no different, man. It's actually going to be the most encouraging sermon of all three. But if you remember, the, just the premise of between binary is that if you understand what binary code is, it's one and a zero. And basically, this is how people use, this is a code and a series of how the zeros and ones are lined up kind of determines what the audio file can look like in other digital formats, right? So I was thinking about zeros and ones, and I went, you know what, as I get to know you guys, a lot of you live in a zero-one type world. And what I mean by that is either you're a success or you're a failure. You're awesome or you have nothing going on. Either you're totally doing everything awesome or you're a complete loser with no future. This is what our culture has shaped a lot of us to see. The problem is, is that while it's good to be all that you can be and to be successful at all that you put your hands to, a lot of times too many Christian students fall into the idea that in order to follow Christ, either you're 100% sinless, totally on fire, or you're absolutely going to hell and there's no in-between. And I want to let you know that that really denies the beauty and the grace of God. Because God says it's not about performing. Jesus performed for you. He paid it all so that we could walk as liberated children of God and to be able to be free from the, from the bondage of having to perform and climb the spiritual ladder in order to hopefully see God love us and bless us. And so I want to bring the good news to you tonight. And so second song in the Holy Spirit was like, Dave, I reminded you two days ago I wanted you to preach this sermon. But I was like, I don't think that's what he, and I was just battling it. No, this is the one he wants me to preach. And so we're going to talk about Moses as we wrap up between binary, okay? Now, if you don't know the story of Moses, actually, let's pray first, and then I'll tell you about Moses. You into that? Okay, let's pray. I need you to pray for me, and I need you to pray that your heart will be open because this is a word from the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you tonight. Lord, I am nothing more than a mouthpiece. I'm only a vessel to be used of you. And so what I'm asking is in the name of Jesus, Father, 
that you would fill my mouth with your words. And I pray that the transformational power of the gospel would remind the sleepy hearts in this room or those who feel very far from you tonight, God. I pray that for those in here, Lord, who never really understood why you came to do what you came to do, Lord, that the truth and the liberating power of Jesus Christ and the gospel would be clear to them so that they too could be liberated and not have to walk in a performance-based culture, but in a grace-filled lifestyle of Jesus. So, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would take control right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's a snapshot of Moses' story. He's found in this water because he, he's supposed to be killed, and there's this Egyptian thing going on. He's coming, being born into slavery, but there's a special plan for Moses, okay? So his mother can't keep him, and so she goes, man, instead of killing my baby, which was the rule and the law at the time, she said, I'm going to put this little baby boy in a basket, and I'm going to send him up the Nile. One of the princes of the king, the pharaoh, sees this little baby goes, oh, my gosh, he's so cute and beautiful. Now, guys, you got to know the whole night I'm going to be freestyling. There's not going to be slides on the screens or anything. So your listening skills are going to have to be at 100 tonight, okay? But anyway, she takes this little baby boy. She raises this child in the king's palace. Now, you could see God working here because he's going to be the one to liberate the Israelites from slavery. Now God is infiltrated into the palace with this little baby boy who grows up in stature. He gets the best education. He gets the finest of everything. He's going to be a commander and a leader. There's promise and purpose for this young man named Moses. Well, there's one day where Moses is outside. He sees two of his Hebrew brothers out fighting, and he goes up to them, and he confronts them. But see, what you got to understand is the day before, Moses killed an Egyptian because he got angry. He saw this injustice, and he took matters into his own hands. And so the next day, he sees these two Hebrew guys fighting, and he doesn't think anybody knows what he's done. He buried the evidence in the sand. He put the dead body in the sand and went, I didn't do nothing. Who, me? What? Right? So the next day, he's like, hey, guys, break it up. Be nice to each other. Like, oh, what are you going to do? You going to kill us like you did that Egyptian yesterday? This is not good. Moses is busted. Word goes up to the Pharaoh that says, Moses killed one of your Egyptian people, and Pharaoh goes nuts. He said, are you kidding me? I want that man dead. So Moses now runs out into the wilderness. And guys, for the next 40 years, he goes from the palace to the pasture. He becomes a shepherd, and he feels, and I'm sure that he feels that his destiny, his purpose was wrecked because of one bad decision. For some of you, you can already identify with the fact that the Holy Spirit wants to talk to you tonight because you feel that way right now. You go, David, I've messed up. I feel like I've been in a wilderness. I can't feel God. I don't feel him close to me. I messed up in this season, and there's nothing I can do about it, and I'm just out here, and I'm just living my life, and there's no hope for me because I've blown it. Well, Moses could identify. But there's a moment in which God chased Moses in the wilderness, and I want to let you know that you can live out in the wilderness, but his plan is not to leave you there forever. And I want to let you know that grace will chase you down. So it doesn't matter where you're at or what you've done. The grace of God is chasing you down. And for someone in here, tonight is your night. And so God comes before Moses in the burning bush. You know this classic part of the story. And he begins to tell Moses, Moses, it's not over. Get back to work. Just like he did with Peter in week one, if you remember that. He's like, get back to work. So Moses now gets this new lease on life. He gets this second chance. So he goes, yes, 
what do you want me to do? He says, you're going re- to lead the Israelites from slavery into freedom, and I'm going to use you, big boy. And he goes, but I can't talk that good. I got to stutter. He says, I don't care. I'm putting you to work. So Moses has this new opportunity, and he goes before the Pharaoh and says, God said to let my people go. And you know what Pharaoh says? Ain't happening, homie. And there's a whole other part of the story where all these plagues come, and Pharaoh hardens his heart. Moses comes back and says, I'm telling you, God said. He's like, no, I ain't doing it. Well, it's gotten to the point where Egypt is in complete ruins, okay, by God's plagues. Now, you go, God's mean in this story. No, he's not. This is a sign of grace because God could have squashed Pharaoh like a bug the first time he said no. But God gives us warnings in scriptures, guys. And he uses hyper-bald guys like me from Texas to, to say, don't do that. Stay away from that sin. Don't hang out with those kind of girls. Don't hang out with those kind of guys. Stop texting inappropriate pictures to these people. Stop it. It's the grace of God. But if we continue to harden our heart against God, you've got to understand that there are consequences that we bring to ourselves when we constantly stiff-arm the Holy Spirit. That's what's happened to Pharaoh. So guess what? The firstborn male of all in, in all of Egypt has now been killed because Moses refuses to submit to God's word and his truth and what he was supposed to do. This is where we pick up in the story. He summons for Moses in Exodus 12, and once again, the slides won't be on the screens because the Holy Spirit's taking over tonight. So just listen. Moses comes into the presence of the Pharaoh, and the Pharaoh says this, get out. He says, leave my people and take the rest of the Israelites with you. Go and worship the Lord that you as you have requested. Woo! Problem solved. After 400 years of back-breaking slavery, guys, you got to understand that Israel is now about to taste their very first taste of freedom. This is good. After 400 years. And so if you jump over to chapter 14, if I'm Moses, I'm like, finally, we're on our way. God, you're good. You make a way. And I'm giving high fives to the Israelites. Wouldn't you? This is a day of celebration but not so fast. Everybody say, not so fast. Because meanwhile, back in Egypt, it says in Exodus 14, when word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had in fact fled, Pharaoh and his officials, they changed their stinking minds. Oh my gosh. And they go, what have we done letting all those Israelite slaves get away? Our entire workforce is gone. So Pharaoh has some buyer's remorse on this decision going, man, what in the world did we just do? So Pharaoh hardens his heart against God yet again. So what Pharaoh does, now this is important, he pulls together his most strongest elite army. He's like, I don't want the basic ones. I want like the Navy SEALs. I want like the top fighters, and I want them to have the best weapons because we're going to pull those people back into slavery where they belong. Pharaoh's pursuit is a success. He catches up with the Israelites. And so in verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and they panicked. Imagine, it's us. We think we've got a little bit of liberation and we turn around and our worst nightmare, the slave driver, the one that has made us have to kill our little baby boys and drown them in the Nile, he's back. Imagine how discouraging this is. 
And so when these Israelites saw the Egyptians overtaking them, they cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Some of you, and I spoke with a young lady last week, and one of my favorite things to do is to sit right on these stairs and talk to you guys. And when we sit down, that means we're talking serious most of the time. And she said, Dave, I just don't feel close to God. I don't feel him close to me. I wouldn't ask you to raise your hand, but some of you in here, you're feeling this, that same way where you're like, I just don't feel. And, and maybe there's some circumstances going on, and you're like, God, why did you pull me all the way out here to Colorado? Why did you pull me all the way over to this new school? Why did you call me into this season of my life? Just Did you call me out here just to leave me out here to die? You see, that's an honest prayer. But you got to stop texting your friends this question. And you got to start putting them back to where the answer giver can give them. you got to point these requests and these problems and these issues back to God. And say, God, I don't feel like you're close to me. I feel like you have brought me out in a wilderness to die. Why didn't you bring us out here to, why did you bring us out here to die? Weren't there, and listen to what they say, they would go, weren't there enough graves in, the, in the, uh, Egypt for us to be buried in? What have you done? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. These Israelites, you got to understand, have been in slavery for 400 years, generation after generation after generation. And the one little small sliver of hope they have seen has now evaporated. And they're just discouraged. I think if we took a poll that day and if we said, do you think God is good, they would, most of them would say, probably not. Between binary. Our reality and the truth many times do not connect. What we see as reality versus what God says is true seems like there is a sea separating those two things together. So we may look at the Israelites and go, man, guys, just get it together. We know how the story ends, though. Many of us, we know what God is about to do, but they don't. They're living this real time. How often do we see this in our lives, though? How many of y'all have been in seasons where it feels like you take, like, two steps forward and, like, ten steps back? Anybody feel me like that? Oh, my gosh, I've been in seasons like that. And if you haven't, they're coming because it happens to all of us. And so a lot of us are going to be tempted to pray prayers like what the Israelites are praying. So on one level, I can't blame the Israelites, but... Because the situation just feels like, here we go again. And some of you, this past school year, you had such high hopes for what God would do in you and through you. And, but now you're at a point of real discouragement. And you go, here I go again. I get, is it ever going to stop? So they've hit this wall, literally and figuratively. They're trapped because Pharaoh has chased them to the Red Sea. Okay? Everybody say Red Sea. There's no way around this Red Sea. There's no way. It's too vast. It's too deep. They'd never make it on their own, and here's why. Here's some Red Sea facts for you. The Red Sea is roughly 1,400 miles long, 220 miles wide, and the average depth is about 1,600 feet. There's no way you're going to roll up your pant legs and walk across the Red Sea, y'all. Okay, so they're faced, they're literally, there's a wall of water, and there's no way for them to get to where they want to be and where they were hoping they could go, and their worst nightmare is breathing down their neck. This is an impossible situation. 
There's this term, it's a runner's term called hit the wall. Are you all familiar with this term? Have you ever heard it before, hit the wall? It's a runner's term. It's basically where your mind and your body come together and say, we quit. It's when you're pushing your body to the limits. And what happens is, it's like this endurance sport uh, type term, but when you've hit your wall, you're exhausted physically, mentally, spiritually, like you just don't have anything else to give. And maybe you've hit the wall. Maybe your wall is that you've lost someone very close to you. Maybe your wall is fear and shame or regret. Maybe your wall is like, I literally cannot take another bad thing happening in my family. We've been through so much. And you're tapped out. And you don't have anything to give. Maybe you feel like you've hit a wall and you just feel like you can't go any further. Well, I want to let you know something. The key to breaking through that wall, a runner will tell you who does endurance running, it's not about finding more physical strength. It's about looking at your wall from a different angle and perspective. And what I mean by that, you got to look at the Israelites. Their perspective has to change. And I say that because while they've had their very first taste of freedom for the first time in 400 years, they still believe and think like slaves. They're, they're actually free. They've left Pharaoh, but they still think like slaves. And for too many of us, what happens is, is when the Pharaoh in our lives brings us back into that sin, when the Pharaoh comes and brings us back into this terrible situation with no hope, when the Pharaoh tries to drag us back, many times, even though we're liberated by Christ, we begin to think like slaves again. And we go, I'm always going to be bound to pornography. I'm always going to be bound to wanting to impress people. I'm always going to be bound to the fact that I, I want people to approve of me. I'm going to be bound, bound, and bound. I'm addicted. I'm, and I was talking to this one student recently, and he said, David, I'm just so addicted to pornography. I said, bro, the first step to finding freedom is understanding that you're not an addict. What you have forgotten is you've forgotten who you are. You're a liberated son of God. There is no chain on you anymore. But if we begin to think like slaves, we go, no, the chains really are on me. And your reality says that it's true. But God says, no, there's a higher law. There is a truth that I speak over those chains. And those chains have been broken off of you by my son's blood. You're not an addict. You're not a pervert. You're not stuck. You're liberated and you're free. true story. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand still. Watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. So he's saying, guys, chill out. And so what I'm asking you tonight, guys, is to believe me. Allow God to speak to me, and I want to let you know, chill out. God has not forgotten about you. He is on his way. He is bringing and will finish the liberation he started in your life. And the Lord himself will fight for you. Moses says, guys, just stay calm. Wherever you're at in your life, I want to let you know, please just stay calm. Either I'm preaching hard or the heat just turned on. But the truth is, any attempt by an Israelite to cross this Red Sea on their own power would be laughable and impossible. 
And some of you, my between binary people, where you go, I got to be a super achiever box checker kid, you're like, oh, I'll figure out a way to get across the Red Sea. That's not a problem. I'm a smart kid. David, have you seen my GPA? (laughs) I don't want to let you know the Red Sea that you're wanting to cross is impossible for you too. Because this is a spiritual thing, not a physical thing we're talking about here. But what we're about to see is Moses says, trust God. He's our only way. Say right now, God is my only way. Speak that over yourself like you mean it now. Say, God is my only way. Now speak it over someone next to you. One, two, three, go. Stand still and let God do what only God can do. So God says, Moses, pick up your shepherd's staff. Everybody say shepherd's staff. Raise your hand over the sea. And then in verse 21, here's what happens. You all know the story, but don't, like, check out on this part of the story because this is your story. This is not a story. This is your story. You ready to hear your story? Here we go. This is the truth, and I speak this over you guys. Then Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. That wind blew all night. Everybody say all night. Turning the seabed into dry land. Don't let this just, like, float by, like, "Mm, that's true, that's a good. What? What? What was impossible is now becoming possible. Because with God, all things are, and that's the same truth for you as well. With God, all things are possible for you. Our God, your God, blew that seabed into dry land so the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. Now here's what's so amazing about this story, guys. All night, while the wind tore the sea in half, there was a pillar of fire that God set in place. God cares about rescuing people, and he cares about rescuing you. He's like, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to leave you abandoned. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to call you home, and I'm going to make a way where there is no way. So he put a pillar of fire, and it prevented Pharaoh's army from getting to the Israelites. God is our protector while we're waiting for him to come through. Does that make sense? From there, the Israelites, now check this out. Every single last Israelite made their way across, and they took one step of faith. That was all they had to do. And as they took that one step of faith, it proved that's all it took to go from their old lives of slavery slavery to their new lives of liberated children of God. One step, everybody say one step, to a new life, to a new destiny, liberated children of God. But hold on. Pharaoh doesn't give up. He starts chasing the Israelites right into the dry ground with the walls of water. It was for them, not for him. What? What gives him the right? So he's still hotly pursuing them because they haven't crossed the Red Sea. You see, some of you guys, when you accepted Christ, that was your first step. Does that make sense? You took your first step into faith and trusting God that he'll make a way to liberate you, no longer a slave to sin, but a free, liberated child of God. And so you took your first step, and that's amazing. But guys, you still have to cross the Red Sea. And let me tell you something. 
even though you've done that, which is good, that's your first step to liberation, but I also want to let you know that the enemy is still going to try to chase you before you get to the other side. And so that's, for some of us, it's a real surprise because we have this idea that some preachers preach this sermon like, like, man, if you accept Jesus, man, your life's going to be perfect. You're going to be happy. You're going to make more money. You're going to get a hotter girlfriend, a hotter boyfriend, a nicer car, a better degree. Dude, I don't know what they're smoking, but that's not reality. And sometimes when we say all you got to do is just trust in the Lord Jesus and come and receive him, and that's true. I do it all the time. I tell people to do this. But if that's all there is, you've only taken one step. Yes, you're liberated, but man, you've got to understand that there is a journey and there are continual steps of faith trusting in God because at any point you've got to remember the walls of water could have fallen on the Israelites at any point. This was a faith journey. Everybody say journey. And all of you are on a different journey with God, but you're children of God. And so if you're a child of God, God protects and walks with his children when they're slaves, when they're walking through the water, or they're on the other side of liberation. But we're all children of God. But we got to know that there's more to the journey than what you just, when you said yes to Jesus, that's when the journey began. It doesn't end there. So when all the Israelites had reached to the other side, the Lord said to Moses, now raise your hand over the sea again. Then the waters will rush back and cover the Egyptians and their chariots and their charioteers. So guess what? God said, not only am I going to rescue you, but I'm going to kill the person and the force in your life that is causing you to be slaves. I'm going to take care of both things. You get liberated, I'll kill your worst enemy. So as the sun began to rise, now understand, Pharaoh's chasing after the Israelites and his, and his elite army. Moses raised his hand over the sea, and the water rushed back into its usual place. The Egyptians tried to escape. They went Oh, dang. And they tried to turn around, and they're trying to get out of there. But in Exodus 14, 26, children, the Lord swept them into the sea. And Pharaoh, the oppressor, the the, the slave driver for 400 years, the one who stole the very hope from the hearts and the minds of God's people, is now fish food. Dead. Done. The terrorist is dead. It is finished. Everybody say it's finished. Generation after generation, crushed under the burden of slavery, it is finished. And as I think about the Israelites, man, if I'm standing there and now I'm on this side, and now the Red Sea has collapsed on itself and it looks like a normal sea again, And then I could still see Egypt from where I'm standing, though. And I'm looking. Imagine that moment. Imagine the tears. Imagine just like the sense of like, oh, that just really happened? And Pharaoh's dead? How great is our God? We're no longer slaves. But we're liberated children of God. God, we lost hope in you. And God, we even doubted you. God, we thought that you had forgotten about us in our terrible situation. But the whole time, God, you mean to tell me you were preparing a way for us to be rescued? God, you mean to tell me the whole time when I was in the pit of addiction, you were 
making a way for me to be liberated? God, you mean to tell me that in the darkest hours of my life, when I didn't feel like anybody cared about me, and I didn't even care about myself anymore, you were making a way for me? Hopelessness into hope? Tragedy into triumph? Would he do that for you? Yes. And he is. And this may be some of the darkest seasons of your life. But guys, I want to let you know, God made me switch gears in the second song of this service. So this is for someone in here or a lot of you. I don't know, and it doesn't matter to me. I want it to be for everybody. I want to let you know something. God is making a way for you, and he will provide a way of liberation, and your hope will be restored, and you will be liberated, and you will be set free, and your purpose and your destiny is not wrecked by you. It's not an either or. It's a him. We don't live binary anymore because he's already satisfied the demands, the demands. It's finished. Everybody say it's finished. The Israelites looked from the other side of the Red Sea, and now they see their oppression. They see the bondage. They see the hopelessness. They see the fear. They see the desperation, and they never have to go back there again. And here's what's even cool about God. Once he put them on the other side, he didn't leave the Red Sea wide open still. He closed it up. You know why? Because they may be tempted at some point to want to go back to Egypt. And some of you have been trying to swim back. And that's the problem. Because you're like, man, I love hanging with my boys. We get crazy, Dave. Oh, Dave, you don't understand, man. This girl I met this past semester, she's got all the right curves in all the right places, man. And I know that that ain't a Christian thing to say, but I'm just being honest, Dave. And you're, and you're going back to slavery. Oh, is that too real for DSM? It's true, right? David, I've been trying to get to DSM, but you don't understand, man. I, I just have so many academic things going on in my world and studying all the rest of this stuff, and I'm trying to juggle all these things. And, and, but David, in the meantime, though, yes, I'm doing a lot of good stuff, but I, I feel far from God. So even being in this room kind of feels weird to me because I'm singing these songs. I, I recognize them, but they don't mean anything to me anymore. It's because you're trying to get back over the Red Sea. But God says, I've closed it. You can't get back. You can't get back to Egypt. You're done. You crossed the sea. It's over. You're, you're now headed a different direction. It's finished. It is finished. Is there someone else in Scripture that said that? Does that sound familiar to anybody with Easter coming around? John 19, as a matter of fact, these are Jesus' last words. Everybody say last words. Before he died, these were the last words that he said. He said, it is finished. And guys, that statement was so powerful that an earthquake took place. Dead bodies were coming up out of the ground alive again. What in the world happened with those three words? What was it? What do you think happened? Oh, there is much more that happened with that, and I'll share it with you here right now. You see, Jesus knew that his, minute, his ministry and his mission was finished in this moment. But what exactly was finished? Because this is such a definite statement. Well, to fulfill Scripture, he said on the cross, Jesus, I'm thirsty. And a jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge on it, and they put a hyssop branch on it, and they held it up to his lips. And when Jesus had tasted it, he said, it 
is finished. And then he bowed his head and he released his spirit. What does that mean to us, though? What does that mean to you? What does that have to do between, between binary? What is God trying to say? You see, it means that the justice, everybody say justice. The justice and the penalty for your sins, guys, in that moment was now paid in full. There is no justice. There is no ladder to climb. There is no trying to be good and moral. There is no trying to stay on the one side and, oh, I'm going to fall back to being a zero, and God doesn't, no, 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 it's, it's all done. Jesus willingly went to the cross. And it says in Colossians, this is one of my favorite verses in all the Bible because it just shows how amazing Jesus is. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Do you get the picture here? It's true. We are slaves. We are criminals. We're lawbreakers. There is a list of legal demands that say because you've lied, because you've cheated, because you've been dishonest, because you've manipulated, because you put yourself first, there is a list of offenses with your name next to it. And the Bible is saying in this verse here that there is a list of legal demands that it says death. You must pay for your own sins, but the problem is you don't have enough in your spiritual bank account to pay for your own sins. doesn't matter how good you are. You can be Mother Teresa, and you can't get to the top of the ladder. That's why Jesus had to do this. And so there's these legal demands with your name on it. Imagine this. This is how God sees you before you accept him. But this he set aside and he nailed it to the cross. So in this moment, guys, when he said it is finished, that record of wrongs of all your sins with your name on it, and it's true, in this moment when Jesus says it is finished, that record of wrongs was nailed to the cross and there was a big stamp on it that said paid in full. You don't owe anybody anything because Jesus paid it all. Yeah. So at this moment, thank you for the applause, but I got a lot to say in a short amount of time. At this moment, though, follow me. Jesus, who never sinned, not only satisfied the demands of God's justice, which is death for sin, but then he willingly stood in our place to face the justice and the penalty that we deserved as lawbreakers. Now you go, David, I'm new here. I'm a VIP. Who calls a VIP a lawbreaker? God. God does. Here's why. It's kind of offensive, I get it. But here's the truth of it. We, we had some neighbors over to our house recently, this past Sunday night. And they don't, they don't claim to follow Christ, but they're curious and they're asking a lot of questions. And, and we have them over and we love having people in our home, even though they don't believe like us, think like us, act like us, talk like us. That's just our thing and we live in Manitou and so there's plenty of people that don't think and believe like us. And so we're having them over and I said, here's the deal. The question isn't goodness. The question is righteousness. How do you want to earn your righteousness? How do you want to become a better version of yourself? Every other religion on the planet says that you've got to work and climb up a ladder of good works. Name one that isn't that way except Christianity. Where Jesus says, you can't climb that ladder. There is no top to it. And then there's no guarantee that you're even going to get what you're looking for. But Jesus says, you don't have to do that. But you got to understand, you're a lawbreaker. So we got to deal with this issue. And so what I explained to them, I was, I was like, listen, forget, let's set aside what God has to say. How many of y'all, and I said, this question here, and I'm going to bring this up. How many of y'all think that it's wrong to lie? Let me see a raised hand in the house. 
Even, yes, even if you don't believe that, raise your hand and lie. Because you know, I mean, honestly, it's a, it's, that's a terrible thing. Okay, you don't, believe it's, you don't believe it's good to lie, but how many of y'all have lied? Raise your hand. All these big fat liars in the house. DSM, full of liars tonight. It's liar night at DSM, okay? Let me ask you another question. How many of y'all have ever looked at someone and judged them in your mind? Let me see a show of hands. I'm judging you right now for those of you who didn't raise your hands because I know you have. Girls, you're like, oh, I cannot believe she put that purse with those shoes. Oh, my gosh. Right? Okay. Yeah, so real stereotypical. Sorry. Here's the thing. But how many of y'all think it's bad to judge people? Let me see a show of hands. There's like always one person who goes, no, I think it's a great idea to judge people. I'm judging you right now, loser. Right? Okay, that's fine. My point is this, is that you can't even live up to your own laws of goodness. Do you see what I'm saying? You break your own laws of righteousness. So what you said is wrong, you do. This presents a real problem. With that said, the Bible says that no one is capable of being good. The way the Bible puts it is that in James 2.10, for the person who keeps all of the laws except one, everybody say except one, except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. You mean to tell me, if I just break one law, I'm just as bad as someone who, like, kills people and eats them in God's sight? Absolutely. You're just as rotten as them in God's eyes. So I look at that and I go, well, man, then what do I got to lose? I might as well set kittens on fire, kick old ladies downstairs. Who cares? We're all in the same boat. We're all lawbreakers. Everybody say lawbreakers. The scripture says that no one is righteous, not even one of us. I'm talking about our slavery because there's some in here and you didn't understand this truth. And you thought as long as you were a good person and a moral person and you did the right things, most of the time this would somehow put a lot of coins in the plus column. And what I want to let you know is that you're just a very moral slave. That's it. You just may dress a little bit better, and you may speak a little bit better. You may be a little bit more educated, but you're still a slave to sin. You're a lawbreaker. You're just a really nice lawbreaker. But, everybody say but. But for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This is where the sea begins to split, guys. Jesus willingly went to the cross and he bore our judgment on our behalf as lawbreakers so that we could be set free from the penalty of our sins. Romans 3.24 says, yet God, everybody say yet God, with undeserved kindness declares that we are righteous. And so I'm here tonight, DSM, look at me. I'm here to declare over your life. Because of Jesus over your life, the blood of Jesus over your life, you are declared righteous by him. And don't let you or the whispers at night keep you from believing this truth. If you are in Christ, you are perfect and holy, and you have all that you need, and the liberating God that saved you will continue to save you. That is for you. And he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Jesus says, you're a slave. Law-breaking slaves. And you go, well, well, David, that's beautiful imagery. Hang tight, guys. I heard the clap. Thank you. Listen to this. 
I t- Jesus says this, though. I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. John 8, 34. But Jesus says, if you receive this grace that I died to give you, listen to your new status. Jesus says in John 15, 15, look at it for yourself. I no longer call you slaves. This is Jesus talking. Because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. No, you are my friends. The Bible says that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And Jesus, when he looks at you, he says, I don't call you a slave anymore. You have a new identity. You're a child of God. And because you're a child of God, I'm your friend. You are a friend of God tonight. You're not a second-class Christian that Jesus would really like if you can just get your stuff together. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin may lose its power in our lives. And so when I say, when you say stuff like, David, I'm addicted, no, you're not. The devil has convinced you of that because you live like a slave and you go, I must be a slave. But you must remember who you are in Christ because Scripture says we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin may lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin for we died with Christ and then we were set free from the power of sin. But what happened when Jesus said it is finished? So what about this? Let's go back to this and then we'll close up. Cool? Jesus, when he said, it is finished, here's what happened. In verse 51, it said, at that moment, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two. We go, David, why do we care about this? Oh, you're about to find out. From top to bottom, the earth shook. The rocks split apart. Tombs were open. The bodies of many godly men and women who had died were raised from the dead. This statement had power in it, guys. Picture this moment. It is so powerful that rocks are splitting and dead people are now alive. And Roman soldiers look at this and they go, surely this man had to be the son of God. Because they'd been crucifying people every day. This was their full-time job. They'd never seen anything like this before. And in this moment, in the temple of God, there was this curtain that was ripped from top to bottom. Now, why does that matter? Because up to this point, humanity had a division between them and the holiness of God. So up to this point, the only thing that you could do is you could uh, sacrifice an animal, let the blood of this innocent animal somehow try to cover the sins that you had committed on behalf of you and your family. So a high priest, he was the only one allowed to go into the presence of God. But the presence of God was so holy that if he had just one bit of a sin in his heart, he would drop dead instantly because the righteousness of God cannot tolerate the presence of sin. So, from all of humanity, from all of time, men were separated by this curtain. The presence of God was here. Mankind was here. But when Jesus said, it is finished, the curtain tore. Why? Because for the first time in all of mankind, Jesus, through his ripped body, he made a way where there was no way. And in this moment, hang tight, hang tight. Listen to this. In this moment, the curtain was torn. And because we enter through Jesus, the liberating life and death of Jesus Christ, when we go through Christ, our great high priest, we are allowed to now walk into the very holy presence of God anytime we want, spotless and without fault. We're not going to die. We walk in as children of God boldly because Jesus split through his body the curtains. So now we have access to God. 
Dear brothers and sisters, we can now boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. By his death, listen to this, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. Why? Because our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. So as the band comes up, we're going to close with a song. And you may be, you will sing the song in a different way tonight for some of you. Because tonight is the night of your liberation. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to let you know that Jesus died that day, but there was three days later where something else happened. Jesus, having satisfied, paid the penalty for you so that you may be liberated from slavery into life. He rose from the dead. He conquered the power of sin. He conquered the power of hell. And he conquered the power of death. It no longer has authority over you. That's the Pharaoh. Sin has no power over you. Death has no power over you. You will live forever as an eternal being, a renewed spirit for God. You see what I'm saying? Jesus has paid it all. And so that's why when we say John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not die but have everlasting life. This is how you get everlasting life, is understanding the story of what Jesus has done for you. Stop trying to be a good Christian. Stop trying to be a moral good person. Start walking in the reality of who you are in Christ. You are already liberated. You're already forgiven. Sin does not have power over you. And tonight, you are free children of God. But there's some in here where you went, David, I've never heard it explained like this before. I thought I just had to stop having sex with my girlfriend. I thought that I just had to start being a good guy. I thought I just had to stop cussing. I didn't realize that that's not the issue. Those are symptoms. The issue is your sin. And if you want the record of wrongs cleared from your name, Jesus says, take a step of faith. Trust me to liberate you. And I'm going to ask you all to stand. I'm going to ask you to turn the lights off in here. And I'm not going to draw this out because it is 8 o'clock and I want to honor your parents' time. So here's what we're going to do. For those of you tonight who want to receive this forgiveness and you've never prayed to receive the forgiveness of God, to receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, to receive this gift of salvation, what I'm going to ask you to do is at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to just to get out of your seats and walk right up front. I want to pray with you right now. I can't drag this out. So if you want this and you know you need this, I want to meet you right here. So at the count of three, if you want to receive this gift of forgiveness and eternal life and to be liberated from slavery to life, come right now. One, two, three, come out right now. Hurry up, hurry up. If you have never received Christ, come on, come on. If you've never received Christ, tonight's your night. Come on. I think you can do better than a golf clap. We're about to see some people go from slavery to freedom. This matters. This matters. Who else? Who else? I'm going to give you 10 more seconds. Let go of the back of the freaking chair. The Holy Spirit is calling you right now. I'm waiting, and he's waiting. This matters. 
I'm going to give you five more seconds to come up. Anybody else? Bro? I knew it! I knew it! I knew it! Come on. Come on, squeeze in. Squeeze in. For those of you who are a little bit tripped out right now, you're like, man, I don't know what he's going to Listen, I'm not here to embarrass you guys, okay? I'm not going to make you do anything weird. This matters. This is what liberation looks like. And I'm assuming the rest of you have made this decision, and you tonight need to remember what you originally did when you gave your life to Christ. You are free, and you are liberated. And so we're about to see three amazing people exchange their life for the life of Christ, and I couldn't be more proud. So guys, what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to extend your hands out, and I want you to pray for your brand new brothers and sisters as they're about to be birthed into the kingdom of God. Y'all ready? Would you close your eyes? And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. All I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a prayer. The prayer doesn't save you guys. What saves you is God is looking at the sincerity of your heart right now. And if you want this gift of forgiveness and liberation, right now, it's going to happen. Put your faith in Him. Pray with me right now. Dear Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. I confess I'm a lawbreaker. So I come before you with my list of guilt, and I lay it at the cross. Jesus, I believe that you died for me, that you shed your blood to forgive me of my sins. You paid my penalty, and you rose again, and you said it was finished. So I want to now exchange my life for the life of Jesus. I now exchange my sin for your forgiveness. I believe that you have now made me a child of God. And I thank you that nothing can separate me from your love. So I pray that right now, in this moment, fill me with your Holy Spirit to overflowing. I put my full trust in you. Thank you for making me your child. Thank you for liberating me. Thank you for giving me a new life. I'm yours, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes! Yes! What just happened was a supernatural moment. Some of you need to be reminded of what just happened here for yourself. That's exactly what Jesus has done for you. So as you go out to spring break, I want you to be safe. I want you to walk and live as liberated children of God. You're no longer slaves to sin. So can we go right into it right now? Come on, Gina. So guys, if you need to go, go. We're going to worship. Since y'all are still around, I want to share one passage of scripture with you. And then I'll kick you out. Is that cool? Just one. It's just one. Just it's like a it's like a Lay's potato chip. You can't have just one. You know what I'm talking about? That's an old ad campaign. Y'all don't know about that. All right, cool. All right, Bible, don't fail me. All right, here we go. As you walk out, and as we close between binary, there is nothing. There's no either or. There is yes. And you, the promises of God are yes and amen over your life. 
you need to remember who Jesus is and how much he really loves you. Because in Romans 8, it says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, then who can be? If God is for you, then who could be against? Y'all need to remember some truth tonight. Since he didn't spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all in here, won't he also give us everything else? So guys, if you need comfort, won't he give it to you? If he gave his son, don't you think he could spare a little comfort? For those of you who need joy in here tonight, don't you think if he gave the blood of his son and it was shed out for you, don't you think he could spare a little bit extra for you, a little joy tonight? For those of you who need victory tonight and breakthrough, if he gave his own son, his one and only son for you, don't you think that he could provide a little breakthrough? Do you believe that he could still split some seas for you? Do you? Yes or no? Who dares? Everybody say, who dares? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? So when the accuser comes to you tonight and saying that wasn't for you, or when you do mess up and the accuser comes in, you say, how dare you? Who, who gives you the right, Satan, to tell me what I am and what I'm not? I'm a child of God. That's what I stand on. Who dares accuse us? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died and he was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, bleeding for us. So when you blow it, guess who's there? Jesus. When you blow it, guess what Jesus is doing? Pleading to the Father, saying, no, my grace covers that. They're a child of God. My grace covers that. I got it. I got it. Can anything separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we do have trouble or calamity? Persecuted, hungry, destitute, danger, threatened with death? No. Everybody say no. Make it count. Everybody say no. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours for us who are in Christ Jesus. He loves us. So as we close, I'm convinced, Scripture says, that nothing could separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell could separate us from the love of God that is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you're in Jesus Christ, this is yours. This is your truth. This is your destiny. And not even you can separate you from the love of God. Y'all free, right? Y'all free? Let's act and live like it. When you go to school tomorrow, you walk like a free person because there's people around you who are still in slavery. I can't go there and preach this message to them, but you can. Quit hoarding all your freedom to yourself. Now it's time to go out and liberate others in Jesus' name. All right, now you can leave. Love you guys. Bye.